Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I wonder if you've ever heard this expression that I have here on the screen, a blessing in disguise. Ever heard that phrase? A blessing in disguise. You know, something will happen that won't be very good normally. You won't like it. And then it turns out that had that negative or difficult thing not happened, you wouldn't be where you are today or something else wouldn't have happened. You know, the domino effect wouldn't have taken place. And so we end up by... uh, Sometimes we'll call it, well, that was a blessing in disguise. Most people uh, might use this phrase if driving a broken down old car to its final MOT, find themselves being involved in a small car accident, (laughs) and they say, well, that was indeed a blessing in disguise. Or something that you know, goes wrong that turns out actually to have been a good thing. So I want to ask the question this morning, just for a few minutes. Uh, is there such a thing as a blessing in disguise? And uh, looking particularly, just for, just for a few minutes today, at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, for whom, uh, at the end of the day, he came into a rich and wonderful future, But certainly at the time, uh, things were pretty grim for him, weren't they? Things really didn't work out at all. So, thoughts from uh, the life of Joseph. Is there such a thing as a blessing in disguise? And and will we recognize it? It is, after all, in disguise. First of all, looking at the life of Joseph, we see that he, and I'm using this character today because I think it's a character generally well known to many, many people, whether they normally attend church or never been in church before. Most people, if you haven't read the book, you've seen the musical or something. And you know that Joseph, who looks exactly like Jason Donovan or Donny Osmond or something like that, with very long hair, or Philip Schofield at one time, I think, uh, will know that uh, his life was a life of difficulty. He was the guy who uh, had the dreams. And uh, as he began to tell his brothers his dreams, it turns out the brothers weren't all that impressed. They weren't all that impressed. And they seized him, didn't they? And they threw him into a pit. And they were going to kill him. And then they decided, no, we won't kill him. We will sell him to, in the words of Tim Rice, a hairy bunch of Ishmaelites that hobbled on from stage left. And they sold him. And uh, what do they do to to that cloak of his? What do they do to that? They ripped it from him. Now, I brought some visual aids today. And I'm just looking through the crowd to know who 
in this room looks a bit like Joseph, who can play the main part of Joseph. And and it's going to be Rachel, everybody. Rachel, come up here, please, if you will. (coughs) Yeah, no, I'm serious now. Here she is. Now, Rachel has been acting all week. Is that right? She was in Oliver this week. So she's done a bit of acting this week. And you, I want to award you the finest actress in, 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 in a musical for the role of, um, Fagin's boys. Okay. I want a Fagin's boy. So you're going to play a boy again today, but you've been doing it all week. Okay. You've been doing it all week. So, uh, I want you to play the part of Joseph. You know Joseph from the Bible? Okay. You're going to play the part of Joseph. And, uh, what, first of all, now what, what's underneath this? This, can you can you take that off? You're not like, naked underneath or anything like that. Okay, I just I check it out, you know, before we get in the paper again. So um, so this this looks a bit like uh, a coat of many colours, don't you think? You like that? Um, you know, I'll give them a twirl. Let let them see the back. That looks like a coat of many colours. And so Rachel, if you'd like to come over here. So what what first happened was Joseph found himself being blessed by his father. And what his father did, Jacob that is, his father looked at everyone that was in the family and said, this young man is the best. He, he, he's my favorite. And by the way, that should be a lesson to all parents here. Do not have favorites among your children because there's going to be trouble ahead if you do. Okay, and especially if you do have favourites, which you shouldn't have, don't tell anybody. Because he put a big coat, this is my favourite. And that's not a wise thing to do. So here is Joseph. Now you're not looking, no, come on, stand up straight. That's it, okay. Uh, here's Joseph in his uh, coat of, well, generally two colours. But anyway, many, many colours. And what happens is his, his brothers become very envious of him. And what Jacob had done is he had said, this is, this is my son. And he gave him this remarkable robe to say, this young man, he is going to be a legend right here in the lounge. But what God had intended was that Joseph would be a legend in the land, not just in the lounge. You understand? And so Jacob thought he was doing what was good by giving this young man a place of authority, but just at home, whereas God had something much better for him, which was to make him a legend in the land, not just a legend in the lounge. And so what happened to him was the coat was taken away from him. Would you like to take your coat off, please? And this, uh, you do promise me, you've got clothes. Okay, good. And it was taken away and it was ripped into a hundred pieces. Jen, can you fetch a knife? <laughs> well, it was, it, was, it was dabbed in blood, wasn't it? It was dabbed in blood of an animal to fool the old man at home. The first thing that happened was that he was betrayed. He was betrayed. Being betrayed doesn't feel 
like a blessing. And in fact, he was betrayed by his family, or if you like, broadening it, he was betrayed by the people who should not have betrayed him. You know, they were the least likely candidates. You're supposed to be supported by your family, aren't you? That's sort of the idea. But he was betrayed. But what we know now is that it was a blessing in disguise. It's a blessing in disguise. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. And then what happened? He came. So take a step um, towards me, if you will. Then he came to the, the house of Potiphar. He was sold into that Egyptian's uh, hands. And Jane, you might need to help me now. Yeah. And Potiphar soon discovered, soon discovered that Joseph was not just an ordinary servant, but a pretty good one. One that could be uh, entrusted. And so I don't know whether you ever noticed this from the Bible before, but Potiphar gave Joseph a robe, which looks remarkably like the blanket that I wrapped around myself while watching the X Factor. But anyway, apart from that, that blanket may have a smell of Texas barbecue from Domino's. Because, as you all know, it's two for the price of one at the moment. Glory to God. That's another reason why this sermon will be short. I'm heading home to have the rest of it later today. And then what happens? Having obtained this uh, place as, you know, sort of king of, the, of Potiphar's house. Once again, Potiphar did what Jacob did. He put a robe on this person to say, well, it's wonderful, you're very good, and the, you know, this is your limit. You're going to be the head of my house. Instead of being the head of Jacob's house, Potiphar said, you're now going to be the head of my house. Now, what God had intended was that Joseph would be sort of the head of the world. And I want you to understand, each time these garments were put on him, it's almost like a limitation. And then what happens is a slinkly, slinky woman, not slinkly, slinkly women, they're, they're gone. But slinky, a slinky woman, that part of his wife, was it not? came and, oh, no, maybe we shouldn't act this out. But anyway, said, you know, why don't you, uh, why don't you come to bed with me? And Joseph, by the way, I tell you what Joseph didn't do. He didn't sit on the edge of the bed and say, now let me just lead you to Jesus, woman. I know you're sat there with no clothes on, but let me just get the gospel of John out. No, what did he do? He did what all men should do from temptations like this. He ran away. He ran away. Can you say amen? Let me just explain. No, no, no explanations. The Apostle Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee the evil desires of youth, he says. And so what she does 
is she grabs hold of him. And what's about to happen to Joseph is, he's about to go to jail for something he hasn't done. Jane, will you play the part of the slinkly woman, please? And will you come behind Rachel? And what I want to have happen, now we haven't rehearsed this, have we? No, you can tell. She was going out to the bathroom anyway. But um, what I want you to do is I want you to walk towards me in a moment. And as you walk, as you walk towards me, it's probably Louis Walsh who wants to give you an award. Um, can he use a phone, that man? Uh, as you walk towards me, Jane, I want you to take hold of the garment at the back. And as you walk towards me, the garment's going to fall off you into her hands. So what do we read in the Bible? She caught him by his cloak. You ever seen that detail? She caught him by his cloak, said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. You ever see that detail before? It's, it's another coat gone. All the time, these people were putting on him this identity, this, this sense of possession almost. He thought he arrived. But he hadn't arrived because God wanted to take him much further. Here he was falsely accused. That doesn't feel like a blessing in disguise, but, but it was. It was. Because as she accused him, it sent him to a place where he needed to be. And now there is no clothing. Jane, you can, you can take a seat just there. But what we discover is that before he appears before Pharaoh at the end of the story. The Bible says that he had to change his garment. So it, it sort of sneakily tells us that while he was in the prison, he was given another garment. You can check all this out if you like. It's all there. And what does the prison uh, guard say? Well, he says, you're such a good prisoner. You're in charge. Imagine that. Doesn't feel quite right, does it? But he put Joseph in charge of the jail. Maybe to begin a cell ministry or something like that. But one coat of many colors taken away. Then his Egyptian coat taken away. And now in another coat. Why don't you just put that black thing back on? Because it wouldn't have been too dissimilar to that. Put it on the other side. That one smells of pepperoni passion. <laughs> what happens then? In the prison, there were two men, you remember? One was the chief. Now, what was he? The baker? I don't see the candlestick maker. I always get this wrong. One was the butler. And one was like the baker, right? Something like that. Is that right? He was the chief cupbearer to the king. And he interprets their dreams. Isn't it awesome that he, in a sense, Joseph was waiting and waiting and waiting for his dream to come true. 
the one he'd had back in Genesis 37. But until his dream could come true, he had to make their dreams come true first. And I find that to be a, a real principle of the kingdom of God. If you're struggling to wonder, when's my dream going to come true? Let me encourage you, get involved in someone else's dream and help them have their dream come true and you see what might happen for you. Anyway, I'll throw that in for free. And finally, having been betrayed and accused, the third one, he was forgotten. He says to this cupbearer, he says, when you get out of here, mention me to Pharaoh. Mention me to him. And get me out of here. And then some of the most painful words perhaps in the Bible. He didn't remember him. He forgot him. And in fact, if you look into the text a bit more, you find he forgot him for two years. Two years. He was forgotten. How Joseph could have possibly believed that this was God's will. You can just imagine that sense of him thinking, oh, this is my way out of here. But God sent him another blessing in disguise. The forgetfulness of this man ensured that Joseph was in the right place at the right time when Pharaoh needed him. Can you imagine Pharaoh having his dreams of seven fat cows coming out of the Nile. Uh-huh. And thinking to himself, I need someone who can interpret this. And the guy says to him, well, sire, I did know a man, but unfortunately we released him two years ago. Now we don't know where he is. No, instead, God kept him there. And I believe, by the way, this is a, key feature of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we do not really understand and certainly not appreciate. God so often locks us into cupboards. Not literally, that would be silly. But he so often locks us into cupboards, locks us into situations. I can't move house. I can't, uh, I can't leave my job or I can't get this job or I can't, I can't move, you know, I can't, I can't move, I can't move. And sometimes, you want to say, well, thank God. Thank God I can't move. Thank God I can't move. Because we pray so much about God opening doors, but he has the key of David and what he shuts, no man can open. And if God locks you into a cupboard, not literally, that would be silly, but if he locks you into a figurative cupboard, sometimes you want to say, well, thank God for that, that he kept me here. Every now and then, God will come along in your life, I tell you, and he'll set up a temporary traffic light that says, stop. And there's one thing we all have in common in this room. We speak different languages. We are different genders here. We're different ages. We come from different places. We have different bank balances. We're all very different here, but there's one thing we all have in common. There ain't no one in this room who approaches a temporary traffic light and goes, thank God. (laughs) Oh, good, a temporary traffic light. It's just what I've been praying for. 
When red light is showing, stay here. Oh, good. That, that's just what I wanted. Nobody, but nobody likes temporary traffic lights. But sometimes we need to learn to love the red light of God that says, you can't go nowhere now. Why should we obey a temporary traffic light? Because if we don't, we will have a crash. Or we will crash someone else. Why would God set up a temporary traffic light in my life? Perhaps he wants to repair the road. And God came down, a blessing in disguise. And he caused that man, perhaps, to forget the prophet in the dungeon. But finally, the Pharaoh remembers. Or the cupbearer to the Pharaoh remembers. There's a, there's a man in jail. He can interpret old Pharaoh's tale. So he sends for him. See, God's plans for Joseph were bigger than his father or Potiphar or even Joseph could ever have imagined because he was being brought into the purposes of God. Come forward further. Take off that garment. He says, when he appeared before Pharaoh, he interpreted the dreams. Jane, uh, Jane, come and help me. And Wow, that's nice, isn't it, that one? Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger, and he dressed him in robes. Take a couple of steps towards me. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Anybody here with a gold chain? That's no, the wrong church for that, isn't it? You got a gold chain? Rachel, come and stand in that, in that corner there. And what happened to the man of God was he became the, the second in command, the prime minister. But in order to reach that place, he had to face not just one blessing in disguise, but three. His destination was always to be the ruler of Egypt. But the steps that God came to took him. I've often wondered, why, 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 why? Couldn't he have been in Canaan thinking about, you know, the storks bending to him and thinking about the sun, the moon, and all the dreams he had? Why couldn't it have been that a little chariot had come along and, a, and some geezer sitting on the top of it? Hello, I'm from Pharaoh. Anyone do any dream interpretation around here? But, but no. He had to be uh, compelled, propelled into difficult circumstances that were actually taking him towards his destiny. When he was stripped of his robe and sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites and into Egypt, was he going towards his destiny or away from it? Answer me. He was going towards. When Potiphar's wife falsely accused him, and had him thrown into jail. Was he going towards his destiny? Or was he going away from it? The answer is, he was going towards it. 
when that very careless cupbearer forgot all about him and left him in the dungeon for two years, albeit in charge, was he going towards his destiny or away from it? Answer is, he was going towards it. Because as he sat in the dungeon, way up above him, it says it was the dungeon where all the king's prisoners were put. Way up above him, his destiny lay waiting. Rachel, you've been amazing, and they're now going to give you a great round of applause. But, but we want that back, because it's nice. So my question to you today, very simply, is this. What are the blessings in disguise in your life? What are all the betrayals and brokenness? The letter that comes through that says, we're very sorry, but you didn't get this job. The date that you hoped to go on that didn't come off. The house that you knew was yours. But then it fell through. What are all the blessings in disguise in your life? I'll give you one final little thought about blessings in disguise. Sometimes they come in a very good disguise. And they don't look like a blessing at all. But I want to encourage you, just picking up really from maybe what we were saying last week as well, that we have a God who works behind the scenes in our lives. A God who very often will appear center stage, but he's just as happy if the need is required to be a stagehand backstage, ensuring that all the action flows the way it should, and you don't see him. I'll finish with this. Many years ago, I went to the theater in Peyton. And in Peyton, we used to have a giant Woolworths. Now, no one's got a giant Woolworths, have they? I don't think so. But we used to have a giant Woolworths. So what nobody knew about the giant Woolworths in Peyton was that just underneath it, there was a theater. And it was quite famous, at least they hoped it was. It was the place where the pirates, listen, the pirates of the Caribbean, the pirates of Penzance was first performed. Pirates of the Caribbean came along a bit later, didn't it? And I went to see a production there. Now, I know I'm being recorded, so I have to be, I'm going to be kind. But it was terrible. Totally and utterly terrible. It was about nuns. Now, but I, wanted, I, wanted, I didn't go there because I was a Christian. You it just happened to be about nuns. I think the nuns, nuns were murdering people. So it wasn't really a Christian play. And uh, it was so awful that when they built the set, they hadn't hired the costumes yet. 
and the nuns could not fit through the doors. So when they built the doors, they built them so high, and then the nuns went for a costume fitting, and they were much taller. So every time someone came through the door, hello? And like any good amateur dramatic group, some were brilliant actors and others less so brilliant. Less brilliant. And they kept forgetting their lines. But don't worry. There was a lady under the stage, the director, and she had the script in her hand. And every now and then there'd be a long silence. And you'd hear from underneath the stage these words, So, Inspector. So, Inspector. What do you want? What do you want? Now, this was funny enough, but the worst bit was yet to come. The actors forgot. (laughs) You couldn't make this up, really. The actors forgot where they were supposed to walk. If you've been involved in any drama, you know you don't just have to remember your lines, but you have to, they stage it out. They block it, I think they call it. And so they have to know where to walk. And I want you to imagine all these nuns stood there with these tiny doors. And suddenly a big finger came up from underneath and did this. <laughs> really. In fact, I'm holding a microphone. It was actually two. And then for a long period of time, you wouldn't see the hand. But it became quite compelling. You're sitting there thinking, oh, it's act two. I hope the hand comes out again. (laughs) Most times in our life, we do not see the hand. You're not supposed to see the hand. You're not supposed to see the hand of the Lord. Pointing here, there, and everywhere. That's not supposed to happen every day. But he's working behind the scenes. And every now and then, (laughs) you do get a bit of this. And you do get a line thrown to you. But most times, most times, God's given you enough wisdom to work through life. And sometimes he hides from us. So that his purposes can be fulfilled. But I want to encourage you this morning. You've had your heart broken. You've had doors closed. You've had uh, conflict, sickness even, difficulty. House fell through. She wouldn't marry you. But in God, we can find ourselves right where we needed to be, facing the blessings in disguise. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.